Oh, well, hang on, hang on. I'm not ready. Hang on. Hang oh, on. our judge. Our judge isn't quite ready. <laughs> so we have a judge on this one as well? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Todd Mack, here with Joseph Tarowski, and each week we look at a great character in a great story. But today's a special day. It's, dun, dun, dun. it's draft day, and... Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what we are doing here, but this is one that Joseph has been uh, wanting to do for some time. So, Joseph, would you like to explain explain to us what uh, what exactly the point of this draft is? Yes, it is a draft. So, uh, one part part one is the traditional draft. We were each supposed to draft a team of the weirdest children's entertainment, particularly films or TV shows. But then part two, uh, I wanted to mix it up a little, where we have each copied and pasted summaries that we have found online, and we'll give the sourcing for these summaries, and the other one has to read through these summaries without knowing what's coming. <laughs> so uh, part of the fun is that we, we open up the document, and we just start reading, and we see how weird some of the children's entertainment that's been produced by Hollywood uh, has been over the years. So Sometimes not by Hollywood. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, so, so traditional draft, but I wanted to mix in the element of trying to read through something when you don't know what the next sentence is going to be, and it's just getting weirder and weirder. <laughs> so, and we asked as, as uh, per usual, we have our producer, Andrew, with us. And, uh, Andrew, you will be judging our draft based on any criteria. Do you have any criteria for judging our lists? Well, no. <laughs> it's just going to be it's just a gut feeling. Uh, I mean, like... I like your honesty. <laughs> I think if, like, Todd, if you have picked things that Joseph really has trouble reading through yeah then those are points in your favor I, well I, I guess yeah one one thing could be how many times we burst out le- re- laughing while we're reading the other person's summaries okay. like that could be a factor of how how strange the thing we found okay. was. all right i go with that and then also the description itself how strange it sounds to me and like on a scale of one to nope how much i would or wouldn't want my child to watch it <laughs> But a child I do not have. This is a hypothetical child. <laughs> right. So if you if you would want your hypothetical child to watch it, then is that a point in our favor or a point uh, against? I'd say that's a point against you because you were trying just... to find the real weirdies. Yes. Right, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes the real weirdies are, are real goodies. Yeah, because uh, we just uh, did an episode on Spirited Away, which is a weird, weird film, but it's also but it's glorious. Not, it's not like a weirdie. Yeah, it's not a weirdie. Okay, it's weird, that's, but that's not... artistically <laughs> unique. Scratch Unorthodox. number one from my list. <laughs> <laughs> so not, if, if it's a classic that everyone's aware of, we might not want to be doing that. Chihiro <laughs> is a young girl. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty weird. I, okay, I have... let's be honest. It's pretty weird. It is weird. <laughs> it is weird. Um, I do have, like, there are things that are at least classics in my mind, which reading it out loud might be kind of odd. Do you have an example? I I wouldn't dare try to swipe something that might be on your list. Oh, that's true. This is yeah. Different. Right. Um, no, say no more. Now, I will say are... that I, I have, uh, I dare say that some of the things on my list um, are, 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 cl- are considered classics by some people. Okay. I dare say none of mine but are. But they are... <laughs> they have gone, once again, in different directions. They are this, weird. Which is fine. That is, that's the fun you thing. You said right. weird. And yeah, I have given you weird. I, be- I believe. All right. All right. Our producer, Andrew, is going to flip a coin to decide who's going to go first. All right. Todd, call it in the air. Heads. 
It's tails. Todd, one quick question before uh, we start. Do you think he caught it or not? <laughs> the corner that he just flipped in the air. Well, if he, if he didn't catch it, it, I caught it, that it landed time. on the bed or the carpet. Because the last was, time he it dropped landed. it on the table and it sounded like... I, actually, I dropped it on the microphone. It sounded like the walls of Jericho coming back. Uh, it landed on my leg and then I picked it up and then put it on... All right. The back of my hand, and it came up tails. Okay. It's the uh, Illinois State Court. Okay. All right. I uh, well, I won that, so I'm going to have Todd uh, read first. Uh, all I will say is, Todd, you will be reading the synopsis of a film. So please, please begin reading the word document I've sent you. <laughs> <clears throat> Mario. He made it zero words before he burst out Mario laughing. Mario are two Italian-American plumbers living in Brooklyn, New York, who are currently being driven out of business by the mafia-like Scapelli Construction Company, led by Anthony Scapelli. Later, Luigi falls in love with an orphaned NYU student, Daisy, who is digging under the Brooklyn Bridge for dinosaur bones. What? After a date, Daisy takes Luigi back to the bridge, only to witness one of Scapelli's men sabotaging it by leaving the water pipes open. Unable to fix the flooding, Luigi and Daisy rush back to his apartment, where they inform Mario about the incident. The trio returns to the flooding, where the Mario brothers manage to fix it, but are knocked unconscious by Iggy and Spike, who proceed to capture Daisy. Moments later, Mario and Luigi awaken and head deeper into the caves, following Daisy's screams, and discover an interdimensional portal. <laughs> Allowing the Mario Brothers to follow Daisy, they find themselves in a strange dystopian parallel world where a human, humanoid race evolved from dinosaurs rather than from the mammalian ancestry of true humans. Is this really a movie? Yes, this is a movie. It I, Bob I, Hoskins and John Leguizamo as Italian plumbers. In a Manhattan-like city called... I have been tempted to buy this movie on DVD. Dino-Hatton. 65 million years ago, a meteorite crashed into Earth, causing the universe to split into two parallel dimensions. All the surviving dinosaurs of the time crossed over into this new realm. It turns out that Iggy and Spike are henchmen and cousins of the other world's germophobic and obsessive dictator, King Koopa, who descended from the most revered dinosaur, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. The Mario Brothers realize they didn't bring Daisy's rock, a meteorite fragment, which Koopa is trying to get in order to merge his world with the real world. It is then revealed that Daisy is the long-lost princess of the other dimension. When Koopa overthrew Daisy's father and devolved him into fungus, her mother took her to Brooklyn using the interdimensional portal. The portal was then destroyed, killing Daisy's mother in the process, but Scapelli's men accidentally reopened the portal when they blasted the cave. I just want you to reimagine the storyboard as they're trying to break down this movie. Like, okay. We're going to make a Mario Brothers movie. I don't need to imagine it. I've seen it. I recorded it on VHS here's off of TV. Here's the thing. So I could rewatch okay, it. Okay, I'm done reading this. I, can't, I can go no further. <laughs> you can't go any further. But, There's a half page remaining. But listeners. here's the oh, thing. Oh, you're missing the best stuff. Like the part where Shall Mario and Luigi... The, it's the part where Mario and Luigi get taken and get processed in the into the, the jail. And the guy's like trying to find out their names. And he's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. How many Marios are there between the two of you? There's three, because he's Mario Mario, and I'm Luigi Mario. The Mario Brothers. Mario's our last name. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but Todd, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizano, That's and a winning team. Dennis Hopper. Or in this oh film. My, oh, my goodness. Um, here's the thing. I have a hard time imagining, like, sitting in the boardroom and having somebody go, that's it. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> actually get made that's my question but <laughs> like the ones uh, i'm sending you are like why, why was this ever produced it did. except i love it okay <laughs> i loved it when i was like 
10 years which old. means point like i couldn't get enough so, of it so here's so what you're saying is point in my favor because this is a movie that you actually like and uh i assume i that, really do enjoy it like, i assume that it, when it you like have offspring, when you have offspring they will be shown this film well I, i've been really tempted to like get it on dvd or blu-ray when i've been at the bargain bin at best buy okay uh, but I'm Todd Point, in my favor, you did not say a word before you were laughing. <laughs> I was caught off guard. It was, it, it, it was, uh, was uh, anyway, that was good. That was a good pick. I like it. I can genuinely write down the points in whose favor on right, that one. Right. Uh, but I just want to say that I love that movie. <laughs> I have no good reason have you seen to. seen it in over two decades. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has been a while. <laughs> But I have thought about it. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, and then there's like the sequence where they've got the Yoshi. You're not going to remind me of any sequences. On, on a leash. <laughs> and, then, and then the fungus like gives Mario a bomb to use. It gives, a him, a, it gives him a bomb th- to use. And a Goomba plays the harmonica dis- to distract people. Okay. I will, uh, <laughs> on the website, we'll have some of the production art. These things do not look like anything you played in the video game. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're Those like, Goombas are yeah. weird. This is a weird film. You'll be shocked to know. Low rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was less than 10%. <laughs> uh, and bit of a bomb. It only grossed $20 million on a $40 million, $48 million budget. Okay. Ooh, that's tough. All right. Joseph. Uh, so pick number one, now, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Would you... Maybe have been better off picking Super Mario Brothers, the television. Cartoon. See, that's where I that's where I thought you were headed when I read Mario and Luigi. Uh, you were unfamiliar with John Leguizamo's turn as an Italian plumber. I was unfamiliar with it. Yes, I know for a fact. Thanks, MTV Cribs, that he has a giant poster of it in his home. Wow. <laughs> okay. Or at least he did when Cribs that, was still on the air. That is so much more trivia about Bless this film his than heart. I expected to gain. He was, he was really proud of it, and but that was back when Cribs was actually a show. Okay. Right. Well, t- Todd, do you? Am I going to be reading a synopsis of a film? You will be reading, in all cases, a synopsis of a film. Okay. So I'm I was expecting number one shows. <clears throat> all right, I'm going to begin reading now. Helena works with her parents at their family circus, but desires to run away and join real life. At the next performance, after Helena and her mother have a heated argument, Helena's mother collapses and is taken to the hospital. Ten days later, while Helena is staying with her grandmother, she finds that the doctors determine that Helena's mother requires an operation, and Helena can only blame herself for the situation. That night, she wakes up in a dream-like state and leaves her building to find three performers outside. As they try to perform for Helena, a shadow encroaches on the area, and two of the performers are consumed by it. The third performer... (laughs) Andrew just held up a note to me, and I don't know what... (laughs) I wrote the title of this movie down. I was seeing the... (laughs) The series is... No, 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 that's something else, that's something else. <laughs> was like, it's probably another one of your favorites, right, Andrew? I, I wrote down the title. Oh, it, oh, 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 okay. I was doing so well. Continue. Th- the Helena th- found three performers and a shadowy... Okay. <laughs> he was just pointing at the word series. He wrote several ESs at the end of it. I'm so confused. Okay. It's uh, a different note. I'm using the same piece of paper. As they try to perform for Helena, a shadow encroaches on the area, and two of the performers are consumed by it. The third performer, Valentine, a juggler, helps to quickly direct Helena to safety through the use of magical flying books. She learns they are in the City of Light, which is slowly being consumed by shadows, causing its widely varied citizens to flee. Soon, Helena is mistaken for the princess. She and Valentine are taken to the Prime Minister. 
prime minister. Uh, he explains that the princess from the land of shadow stole a charm from the city of light, leaving their white queen in a state of unnatural sleep in the city, vulnerable to the shadows. Helena le- notes the resemblance of the queen and minister to her mo- mother and father, and offers to help recover the charm along with Valentine. They are unaware their actions are being watched by the queen of shadows, who has mistaken Helena as the princess of the land of shadows. Uh, Helena and Valentine attempt to stay ahead of the shadows as they follow clues to the charm, learning that it's called Mirror Mask. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Helena discovers that by looking through the windows of buildings, she can see into her bedroom in the real world through the drawings of windows that she created and hung on the wall of her room. She discovers that a doppelganger of herself is living there and behaving radically different from her. The doppelganger soon becomes aware of her presence in the drawings and begins to destroy them, causing parts of the fantasy world to collapse. Valentine betrays Helena to the Queen of Shadows in exchange for a large reward of jewels. The Queen's servant helps... Uh, the Queen's servants warp Helena's mind so she will believe she is the Princess of Shadows. This is quite a few twists and turns. <laughs> Valentine says, It doesn't feel like that many in the film. It's no, so it Valentine. feels like twice that many during the film. <laughs> Valentine has a change of heart and returns to the Queen's Palace and helps Helena to break the spell on her. Uh, they search the Princess's room and Helena discovers the mirror mask hidden in the Princess's mirror. They flee the castle with a charm. As they escape to Valentine's flying tower, Helena realizes that her doppelganger in the real world is the Princess of Shadows who had used the mirror mask to step through the windows in Helena's drawings. The Princess's destroys the rest of the drawings in Helena's room, preventing Helena from returning, and Helena and Valentine disappear in the collapsed world. The princess takes the drawings to the building's roof to disperse the shreds to the wind, but discovers one more drawing Helena had made on the back of the roof door. Helena successfully returns to the real world, sending the princess back to her realm. At the same time, the White Queen finally awakens and the two cities are restored to their natural balance. Helena returns to her apartment to learn that her mother's operation was successful. Helena returns hap- to happily help at the circus. Sometime later, Helena becomes fascinated by a young man, strongly resembling Valentine, who wants to be a juggler for the circus. Except she doesn't know what Valentine looked like because he always had a mask on. Because how? Because you don't know who you are if you don't have a mask. Like that's his thing. He's like, how do you know who you are if you're not wearing a mask? Andrew's, He's freaked out that she's not wearing a mask. Andrew like, spotted a plot hole, <laughs> but it's definitely him. Like the voice is obviously him. So mirror mask. Uh, that was uh, Neil Gaiman's mirror mask from 2005. Yeah, Neil Gaiman. Yes. I produced by the Jim Henson company. It did take me longer to identify it than it did for Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, quick note, the Super Mario film summary came from Wikipedia and I believe your mirror mask summary also came from Wikipedia, is that correct? All Tom? of my all of mine have come from Wikipedia. Yes. Okay. My next one does not come from Wikipedia. Mirror Mask, I can I just Wait. say Mirror Mask is a bizarre and strange film. But so lovely. It, so, it, so has a 54, it has it's, a 54% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but it is a better weird... Better received than Super Mario Brothers. It is a if weird I film. Recall, if I recall correctly, uh, the Jim Henson Company was looking for a script they could produce because they had not produced anything for a little while, and Neil Gaiman gave them this script at a much lower rate because he just wanted the chance to work with the Jim Henson Company. That is a vague memory of when this came out about a decade ago. So doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah. No, all I can say is um, when you said weird films, this was the first that, one that came to mind. mind. I am debating how I'm going to split those points up. <laughs> I was able to go a while before I first start laughing, but the uh, 
<laughs> when we start well, out. and 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 uh, Joseph gets a point because I think it's a great film, and I would certainly <laughs> show my kids. Well, we have the, neither of us has chosen one that's too weird for his children yet. Uh, <laughs> his hypothetical children. Bless, but I think your poor, <laughs> bless your children's I hearts. I think my next choice from a television series. This is a synopsis of an episode of a television series. Mm-hmm. Is going to be weird enough to say. Maybe I'll tap the brakes and let my children view that one. I do have <laughs> a uh, a floating point now that could go to either. Of okay. Them. Okay. Based uh, on on future. Are stuff. you saying All that right, point one. number one went to Joseph or to me? Uh, it went to Joseph because you picked something I think is a classic. Just like a point from his first pick went to you because he picked something I All think right. is a classic. We're gonna have to cut that. That was so confusing. Let's just uh, we'll leave out the point discussion for now because <laughs> I did not follow that. <laughs> My next pick is an episode of a television show. So, Todd, why don't you read us this summary? Here we go. Owl is napping in a tree when Emily and Little Bear ask him to watch her baby doll named Lucy. Owl agrees without having processed the request and goes back to sleep. Okay. Emily leaving Lucy under the tree he is sleeping on. A little awkward. I just copied and pasted the summary there. But. <laughs> Owl agrees without having processed the request and goes back to sleep. Emily, leaving Lucy under the tree he is sleeping on, period. Leaves cover Lucy from view, comma, and Duck comes up to Owl and naps with him, inadvertently sitting on top of Lucy. When Owl wakes up and tells Duck she is sitting on Lucy, Duck panics. I, my brain is still swimming right now. So I, I think the scenario we have is... Al was supposed to babysit a baby doll. He fell asleep. Leaves covered the baby doll, and Duck came and sat on top okay. of the baby doll. That's that's go. Emily, so baby doll is twice covered. Emily and yes, Little Bear return, and, and Duck tells them what happened. Emily tells her friends that Lucy is dead, and Owl voices his disbelief as Lucy is a doll and cannot die. Emily informs him that Lucy is indeed dead, and the four friends tearfully bring her to Little Bear's house. Duck first takes the blame for Lucy's death, but Emily argues that it is her fault. Little Bear suggests saying it was everybody's fault or nobody's fault, as as logic would dictate. <laughs> That's the natural <laughs> wait, outcome wait, to wait, criminal we're, we're trial. Not, we're not there yet. Let's keep going. <laughs> Emily agrees that it was nobody's fault, and once at Little Bear's house, they look for something to bury Lucy in. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Emily explains to Mother Bear that Lucy has died, and Mother Bear gives Emily a box to use. While picking flowers for the funeral, they meet up with Hen and Cat, and Emily invites them to join the funeral. They each give a eulogy, ending with Duck, who tearfully sobs, Oh, Lucy. She drops her flowers, still covered in dirt, onto Lucy in her coffin. Emily cautions Duck to be careful as Lucy hates dirt on her clothes, (laughs) then says to Lucy, Isn't that right, dear? Everyone recalls that though the funeral was meant to be pretend, it was so sad that they almost forgot. Little Bear suggests chocolate cake at his house. While walking there, Duck asks to carry Lucy, and Emily gives her to Duck. Little Bear. (laughs) From Little Bear Wikia. That is the... uh, There's a Little Bear Wikia? Yeah, plot synopsis of every episode. Oh my goodness. That is the only episode of Little Bear I've ever seen. It was like 10 minutes long. It involved a funeral for a doll. People were crying. (laughs) I've never even heard of Little Bear. Uh, I recommend starting with this episode. I... (laughs) It was on, like, Nickelodeon for kids when I was, Would like, s- seven, eight, and nine years old. You know, when I was a kid. Could we say that it's the blink of Little Bear episodes? <laughs> this is I the one to show people to bring them in. I don't know. Because <laughs> there are, like, I have memories of segments of Little Bear. That like are when, weird? Uh, 
Well, yes. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> Cause I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the general little bear oeuvre. I mean, <laughs> they, my, my only exposure to this They <laughs> do have things as mundane as the episode where he learns to crack an egg on the edge of a bowl using one hand like his dad does. So good everyday tasks like holding a funeral or cracking an egg are what well, I'm taught. But then there's <laughs> also the episode where he and a friend who I'm not sure what kind of creature this friend is. He looks like a humanoid luck dragon from the NeverEnding Story series. And is also one of the only characters to wear clothes. Somehow end up in an alternate world where there's a war going on between chess pieces and other ordinary toys like <laughs> dominoes and so I might not have chosen the weirdest <laughs> little bear episode. I don't think this so. Draft, is what you're saying. And they end up separated, and so they each get converted to the point of view of the uh, either the chess pieces or the other toys. But they believe that the other one is the enemy. So was was Little Bear the adventure time of its day and no one realized it? <laughs> no, oh I don't gosh. think so. I think they were a little too earnest. Okay. Yes. A little too that's earnest. A, no, that's one thing. This episode is so earnest. Like, the children are acting like they're having... Like, the talking animals are acting so like is this, this is an a, actual So this is people. a live action thing? No. No, this was animated. Oh, okay. It's animated. I, and I'm thinking I might remember having seen this episode but todd did really well reading through that like he didn't quit all right <laughs> so todd what uh what am i reading through here uh another film okay. uh, wait let me see let, let's uh let me do make sure that number two that. do you do you want me to scroll down to another one uh no let's go ahead and do number two okay in october 1899 six months after returning from the land of oz <laughs> Dorothy Gale has become a melancholic child who cannot sleep as she obsess- is obsessed with her memories of Oz. This worries Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, who decide to take her to Dr. Worley, known for his revolutionary electric healing treatments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie is so creepy. I know. Oh, I, I, so is it starring Judy Garland? No, this is okay. no, this is Return to this Oz. This is 1985. Return to Oz, 1985. It is, it is so... Please, please continue. <laughs> okay, so where was I? Electric healing treatments. Before, before going, Dorothy's favorite chicken, Belina, discovers a key with an Oz glyph that Dorothy believes her friends from Oz sent to her by a shooting star. At Dr. Worley's laboratory, Aunt Em leaves Dorothy under the strict care of Nurse Wilson. Uh, Dorothy is taken to have treatment during the onset of a huge thunderstorm during which the lab has a blackout and Dorothy is saved by a mysterious girl who reveals that some patients have been damaged by Worley's treatment and are locked in the basement. <laughs> this is all before we get to the weird stuff, just so you know. <laughs> Andrew, have you seen this one? No. Okay, yeah, this is before it gets weird. The two escape the building with Nurse Wilson in pursuit and fall into a river. Dorothy successfully escapes by clambering on board of a, uh, on board a chicken coop that is just floating down the river, uh, but the other girl seems to have vanished underwater. Upon awakening, Dorothy finds herself back in with Belita, who can now talk. The two discover Dorothy's old house surrounded by woods. When Dorothy wonders why they aren't in Munchkin Land and where all the Munchkins are, the two discover the yellow brick road, now torn apart, which leads them to the Emerald City, now in ruins. All of its citizens have been turned to stone, pursued by wheelers, humans who have wheels instead of hands and feet. So creepy. The wheelers are, are super creepy. Uh, pursued by wheelers who tell Dorothy that chickens aren't allowed in Oz, Dorothy and Belina hide in a secret room accessed <laughs> <Chickens. laughs> by the Oz glyph key and meet a clockwork mechanical man named TikTok. 
TikTok explains that King Scarecrow have been captured by the Gnome King, who is responsible for the destruction of the Emerald City. The three visit a princess named Mombi in the hopes of getting more information, but she is working uh, but she is working together with the Gnome King and imprisons them in her tower. Dorothy, Valina, TikTok, and TikTok meet Jack Pumpkinhead, who explains that he was brought to life via Mombi's power of life. Dorothy formulates a plan to go to the Gnome King's mountain by stealing the power of life and using it to vivify the gump, the head of a moose-like animal whose body they put together using two sofas, palm leaves, which <laughs> act as functional wings, uh, a broom, and rope. Use, and this is all live action, Andrew. Using yes. the gump as a mode of transport, the group escapes and flies across the deadly desert to the Gnome King's mountain. Belina begins hiding in Jack's head, causing the Gnome King to believe that she is no longer with the group. <laughs> uh, little, little, little tease, something that may matter. Uh, the group enters the Gnome King's underground domain. The Gnome King tells Dorothy that the Scarecrow stole the emeralds from him to build the Emerald City and should be punished. He does not listen when Dorothy protests that the emeralds preceded the scarecrow at the city. The scarecrow has been turned into an ornament in the group's uh, group have three guesses each to identify which one he is, or they will be turned into ornaments themselves, like Christmas ornaments kind of thing. Like, I, I am familiar with the novel and a comic book adaptation of this story. Oh, this one's... Not this one. Oh, Neither, the wheelers. The, the wheelers uh, are awful. Well, also, the novel and the comic book do not deal with the electroshock therapy, <laughs> nor the insane... Patience, and I Damaged. think we, we can all agree they're the lesser for it. Yeah, because <laughs> the story clearly needed electroshock therapy. But I have seen an illustration of the Gump and the Wheelers yeah. and and all and right. all those things. Thanks to Scotty Young. Yes, great artist. Uh, the Gump, Jack, and TikTok all go in, but uh, to try but fail. And as each one is turned into an ornament, the Dome King begins to take on a more human form. Dorothy is last to try and is given the chance to go home unscathed. The Gnome King has her discarded ruby slippers, which is a weird scene where the Gnome King suddenly reveals that he's been wearing ruby slippers this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which he used to conquer the Emerald City. Dorothy refuses to use them uh, to leave for Kansas. After Dorothy goes into the ornaments room, Mombi arrives to warn the Gnome King that Dorothy is on her way, but he reveals she's already there. He's certain she will fail in her guess, and once she's gone, there will be no one left who remembers Oz, and he will become completely human. On Dorothy's last guess, she successfully locates the Scarecrow has been changed into a green ornament. With the scarecrow back to normal, Dorothy realizes that people from Oz turn into green ornaments. The hunt for green ornaments yields Jack and Gump. But then the enraged Gnome King uh, confronts Dorothy and company in a gigantic monstrous form where he eats the Gump's couch body. He then tries to eat Jack, but Belina, who has been hiding in Jack's head, lays an egg in fright, <laughs> and it falls into the Gnome King's mouth. The eggs turn out to be poisonous to gnomes, and the Gnome King and his kingdom crumble to pieces. Dorothy finds the ruby slippers and wishes for the Emerald City to return to normal. Uh, and for her friends, uh, her and her friends will be returned to safely. I'm going to skip through uh, here a little bit. She's and, back to Kansas. And this did not even mention uh, Princess Mombi. It's just all weird. Her, Let's just stop her redeeming <laughs> quality. movie I can remember ever seeing. Sounds pretty rough. Well, yeah. she has the a room that's full of heads. Heads. And the oh, heads yeah, are all alive. So, uh, Todd, do you want to describe it? They... They move. They kind of move around. They look. Their eyes heads, move, bodies, and she heads. can change her heads, uh, sort of at and will. They start screaming at so Dorothy. So she, uh, yeah, she just um, she takes her head off in front of Dorothy. She can swap them and out. Puts it on a little pedestal, and then she walks over headless and picks up another head and puts it on. It's uh, terrifying. I will say that I have never seen this movie all the way through. I have only seen uh, bits and pieces of it, which was enough as a child, to make me know 
that I did not want to see this film, and I do not want to see this film. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, we're reading the first sentence like, oh, this creepy thing. Uh, the So, <laughs> the comic book adaptation, drawn by Scotty Young, is whimsical and absolutely charming. This this film is not. Yes, I cannot I'm imagine quite sure that those two a live action have never been interpretation used to describe of this film. the storyline being whimsical and charming. Let's see. Return to because us. it's it's got some creepiness. Yeah, it does have a fifty. It has a fifty five percent rating on on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. That was a good pick for you, Todd. That, yeah, I almost I almost picked that one. All right, Todd, your next selection. You're going to be reading the summaries of two episodes. These are very brief summaries, so I chose two episode summaries. Um, uh, I well, no, I'm just going to let you read. I'm not even going to give any context mm-hmm. yet. Just yeah. just read. These are coming from Wikipedia. These summaries. A mysterious bull named Jacques Lebeef arrives in town, who has all the women drawn to him. Moo and Dakota are suspicious of him, especially after Miss Lily is robbed of the items in her new safe by the ma- where do you come up with these? By the masked bull <laughs> in a plot to discredit Jacques Lebeef, who is secretly a notorious con artist named Barney Finkelberg. Season 1, Episode 2. Barney Finkelberg. Moo Montana, Dakota Duke, and Colorado Kid, Colorado Kid, apprehend the Cacklin Kid after he was nearly disposed of by the Baying Bunch, led by Scavenger, who are seeking the location of where the Cacklin Kid hid the Baying Bunch's loot. At the courthouse, Cacklin Kid gets sympathy from Judge Overrule, who instructs that Moo Montana, Dakota Dude, and Colorado Kid safely transports Cacklin Kid to the federal penitentiary to serve out his one-year sentence. Now the cow, C-O-W boys, must get the cackling kid to the penitentiary safely while evading the baying bunch who have tricked Sheriff Terrible into helping them. Season 2, Episode 4, The Cackling Kid. This is from a TV series we call Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Yes, the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Wow. Uh, so all those were anthropomorphized cows. That were, I had my suspicions <laughs> as soon as we... Colorado kid. Uh, yeah, especially about the Colorado kid. What about Jacques Lebeef? Jacques Lebeef. I, I started piecing that one together, too. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's... That's weird. Pretty intense. That's pretty weird. Now, um... So... Huh. Hold on a second here. I want to. Uh, I'm, I'm searching the recesses of my mind for a second, but <laughs> the connection to the recesses of my mind is a little slow. <laughs> Are you going to show me an image of them? Being a little finicky. Oh, we'll have an image on uh, uh, on our website. But uh, I just want to read the. So those were descriptions of two glorious episodes of the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. But the general premise. Um, I wanted to uh, to pull up here. Let's see. All right. Uh, an irradiated comet, and this is coming from Wikipedia, an irradiated comet struck the late 19th century western plains, creating mile, a miles-high mesa shrouded in clouds. Everything trapped on top of the mesa was cow by the light <coughs> from the cow met and evolved oh my into bovipomorphic st- states. Bovipomorphic. <laughs> oh, Not anthropomorphic, but bovipomorphic. Uh, inspired by tales of the old Wild West, this new bovine community developed to the point where they emulated that era's way of life, including the requisite ruffians and corrupt sheriffs. However, their knowledge of Wild West living was limited, and as such, many things about their culture had to be improvised to fill in the blanks. The concepts of steampunk and weird West were utilized throughout the series' run. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Please tell me this is not live I, I, action. 
No, no, this was animated. Uh, I feel like cows would not be on board with recreating uh, the Old West, as they were not exactly the winners (laughs) in in treatment. You may be shocked to know this only ran for two seasons. I am shocked to know that it ran for two seasons. Uh, now, uh, this was in the era when the, every cartoon series was trying to catch ride the wild coattails of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles craze. So there was this, a lot of... This is in the vein of street sharks. Yes, a lot of mutant wow. anthropomorphic kind of creatures going on. Unbelievable. Now, uh, there is a television show... By the way, oh, just real quick. Mm-hmm. It's called Cowboys C period O period W period Boys mm-hmm. Cowboys. Anyone want to know what the C-O-W stands for? Oh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an, an acronym. acronym. Yeah. Todd, any guesses? <laughs> I am uh, I am speechless. I have, I, I have no idea what to say about this. Code of the West. Code of the West, boys. Code of the West. Got it. <laughs> Of Moo Mesa. Okay. They, who okay. also happen to be cows. Yes. I guess they would be bulls? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It mentions Jacques Lebeuf, uh is a bull. It mentions that one mm-hmm. pretty clearly, yeah. Um, there is some, some sort of television program. I've seen uh, some of my nieces watch it. I don't know what it's called, but it features a... Uh, a cat who is the sheriff of a western town. I believe her name is Katie. Katie. Hold on. Okay. Um, <laughs> and she frequently delegates responsibilities to a penguin who wears a Civil War era hat and a cactus. Whereas everyone else is an animal, there is a cactus. Oh, I thought uh, you were is... saying that the penguin wore a cactus. No, 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 no. It's a penguin in a hat and his friend, the cactus, who helps. <laughs> Yes, but the, the penguin okay. the penguin wears like the Civil War era cap and a bandana, and he's red. I double checked the recesses of my mind. You're referring to Sheriff Callie's Wild West. That's the one. Yeah. There we go. I just really love that penguin wearing his Civil War. It era makes a lot hat. more sense than the Cowboys and Mumes at Todd. What did you think of that pick? That's uh, not on my list. <laughs> not, 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 on on my, not on my radar at all. All right, so now I am going to be. Uh, Reading another film synopsis for another weird child movie. Yeah, let me make sure that we've got the right that we've got the right one in in uh, in place here. You want me to read number three on your list? Um, no. Let's skip to number five. Okay, going down to number five. Bastion Balthazar Bucks, <laughs> which I don't know what I'm reading, but that is a great name. Bath. Bastion Balthazar Bucks, a shy and friendless bibliophile child, hides in a bookstore. Oh, no, 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 dear. Hides in a bookstore. Is this a movie series I've referenced before, both on the podcast and this particular episode? This is one of my favorite films from my childhood. No, this is, this but is one it's, of the wor- but it worst, is weird. Films, worst films for children ever produced. <laughs> I, I think I've seen it once, and that's why I didn't recognize oh, the name. Oh, no, I have seen it, it loads of times. No, but I, it is I, I weird. Was, what, but once it said in a bookstore, like I had flashbacks too. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Oh. Please continue. 
Bastard <clears throat> Balthazar Boxe, a shy and friendless bibliophile child, hides at a bookstore, interrupting the grumpy bookseller, Mr. Coriander. Bastion asks about one of the books he sees, but Mr. Coriander advises against it. Despite which, of course, Bastion seizes the book, because when you tell a child, no. They steal from you. (laughs) He leaves it out, promising to return it, and hides in the school's attic to read it. Oh, there's so much that's weird about this so far. (laughs) (laughs) The the book describes the world of Fantasia, threatened by a force called the Nothing, where the childlike empress, who rules over Fantasia, has fallen ill and has summoned Atreyu to discover the cure. That is not just a descriptor of the empress. That is her title. That is her name. The The childlike empress. (laughs) Childlike Empress. That's the only way anyone refers to it's her. She's capital not an Empress C. who is. It's not an Empress who is childlike. No, it's capital it C, capital, capital e, C. Childlike Empress. I'm sorry to not capitalize the C when I was reading it. <laughs> Atreyu is therefore given Ar- Arin. 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 As Atreyu sets out, the nothing's. The, okay, hold on. <laughs> As the tray sets out, then nothing summons Gamork, a werewolf. This is Gamork. Is that the werewolf with the growing red, glowing red eyes? It's terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, no, that's the part that's messed up. You do not. They keep children, him in shadows. No, in a children's <laughs> film, you don't have a shadowy wolf with a creepy voice and glowing red eyes. That is just wrong. That is bad decision making. No, this, this is, is that that Gamork is the reason I've only seen this film. This once. is it's pure, I still pure, am freaked out. Pure like mo- No, no. This is an abuse of the power of film. <laughs> I've, got to keep, I've got to keep reading this thing. Atreus yes, continue. Please continue. The advisor Morla, the ancient one, and the swamps of Sat. There's the swamps of Sat. There's the, the swamps of Sat. Is that where the horse dies? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> the horse got sad. And Atreyu can't be sad or else he'll die too. He can't mourn his dead horse. Oh, oh it's like O. Henry. It's Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Which, now that I think about it, I may have stolen that joke from Frazier. I think I've heard that line before, and it sounds like something Niles might have said. Anyway, so uh, Trey's quest directs him to the, the advisor Morla in the, the Ancient One in the Swamps of Sadness, where his beloved horse Artax is lost in the swamp. Atreyu continues alone and is surprised when Morla reveals itself as a giant tortoise. Bastion reading is also surprised and lets out a scream, which Atreya and Borla appear to hear. Why does he scream then? Of all the things that have happened in this story, why does the tortoise make him yell? Anyway, uh, Morla does not have the answers that Atreyu seeks, His but directs him died. to the southern oracle, 10,000 miles distant, in the walk through the swamps. Wait, he's walking? <laughs> well, his horse died <laughs> and <laughs> sank into the swamp. <laughs> Atreyu is rendered unconscious and rescued by the luck dragon, Falcor. I knew someone who had a band <laughs> named Falcor. <laughs> Uh, don't think they ever made it big, but I liked the name Falcor, even though I loathe this movie. Two gnomes, <laughs> two gnomes who helped restore Atreyu explain the Oracle, including the trials that one must face before reaching it. Atreyu completes one trial and is perplexed when the second trial, a mirror that shows the viewer's true self, reveals a boy matching Bastion's description, whereupon Bastion throws the book aside, but then cautiously continues. I pray you, past the trial stands before the Oracle, who tells him the only way to save the princess is to find a human child to give her a new name beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. Atreyu and Falcor then flee before the nothing, and Atreyu is knocked from Falcor's back into the sea of possibilities, losing 
Arwen in the process. He wakes on the shore of an abandoned town and finds a series of paintings depicting his quest where Gamor- here Gamork reveals himself and explains that I'm so lost. So, so lost. Watching the movie doesn't really clear it up. <laughs> I mean, I've read every sentence and I don't know what's happened. Here, here, and this has probably been edited by a thousand fans that are trying to make this thing clear and make sense and they can't do it. Uh, um, let's see. Where was I? Here, Gamork reveals himself and explains that Fantasia represents humanity's imagination and that the nothing represents adult apathy and cynicism against it. We were talking about this feel- with, uh, <laughs> with, with our podcast about Spirited Away a little bit. I think, uh, I think they are extrapolating a little bit. I don't think he precisely described it like that. I don't think that was his exact exposition. <laughs> if we watch the film, it would make less sense than the summary. I, I, okay. Yeah, I think he was okay. a little more subtle no, with his Let me run through. I'm near the end, and this is going to... Upon hearing himself named... All right, upon hearing himself named, Atreyu kills Gamork with a stone knife. Atreyu and Arwen are then recovered by Falcor. Fearing his quest has failed, Atreyu and Falcor approach the Empress's Ivory Tower, where Atreyu apologizes for his failure. As the nothing starts to consume the Ivory Tower, knocking Atreyu unconscious in the process, the Empress pleads directly to Bastion to give her a new name before it is too late. Whereupon Bastion shouts the name Moonchild. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't quite... Wait, no, I'm not done. I'm sorry. Not done. This doesn't make sense yet. Let sorry. me keep going. Where, <laughs> well, I have something that might make even less sense about Whereupon it. Bastion shouts the name Moonchild and finds himself before the Empress, who reveals that his imagination can recreate Fantasia. With this done, Bastion rides Falcor over the restored Fantasia and sees Atreyu reunited with Artax. In the real world, the bullies that chased down Bastion at the start of the film are themselves chased by Bastion and Falcor. On the streets of New York. Yes. A narrator and they, states it, and that... They chases them, and they jump into the dumpster. I, they threw we, I re- would before. rewind that. My brothers and I would rewind that and watch it over and <laughs> over and over and over All again. Right. A narrator states that Bastion had many more wishes and adventures and ads, but that's another story. All right. If you had chosen the sequel, <laughs> that would have been the game. Because the sequel's even weirder? Uh-huh. Yes. I've never seen the sequel. Never Ending Story 2 is... Does that have a subtitle? I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to guess... There it is. is. Right, I'm just going to guess the subtitle. The Never Ending Story 2, The Journey Continues. That's my guess. Um, there is A Lake of Acid, A City of Silver, A Weird Bird Man. What? Was and this crying a, out for a sequel? And there is... Oh, oh, it's called The Next Chapter. There is some sort of weird empress that curses Bastion so that he loses memories every time he wishes for something. And he is the worst at wishing for things. <laughs> and he gets down to, like, two memories by the end of the movie. All right. Would you like to... Would you care to take a guess at what the NeverEnding Story's Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating is? Zero. Zero percent. 38%. 81%. Oh, what is it? Boom goes the dynamite. Are you kidding Eight, me? 81%? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. Right, hold on. You know what its rating is in my heart? <laughs> in my heart, this has a zero. <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. I have that DVD in my stack of DVDs right now. It's the it's the double-sided widescreen and theatrical. <laughs> and my, my white Chevy Prism is named Artax. <laughs> 
goodness. Oh man, I love I love the never ending story. It is so <laughs> weird and so bizarre and the music, the music is so I mean, I, I'm here and I can hear the music in my head, but the story. editing of the music is so bad. It's so it's, bad. It's very of its time, which is not a good thing. <laughs> like, okay, when you, when someone says to me, never any story, the two things I think of are glowing red eyes in the dark and a horse dying in a swamp. Why would I want to watch Just that? Just that one eye as it sinks. <laughs> it's so sad. Hey, happy, sad is happy for deep people, right? <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness! All right, I'm Todd, saying this next one—it's a slightly different flavor. Okay, uh, I think uh, we can do one more from each of you. Oh, all right. But you gotta read quickly. Okay. Uh, this one is a summary of an entire series. This is a beginning to end cartoon series. A beginning to end cartoon series. And I just—was it a long run? I think it was like six episodes. And I just want to say uh, this is going to have the most patriotic name you can imagine. The story is about five people who run a public monster truck show led by Yank Justice, driver of Bigfoot. That's right. Yank (laughs) Justice. The other members of the show include Red and Redder, twin sisters who drive black gold, Professor D, driver of the Orange Blossom Special, and Close McCall. (laughs) Close McCall. Driver of Warlord. (laughs) A young woman named Jennifer McGraw steals an ancient map that leads to the Fountain of Youth in Florida by a group of terrorists... Wait. Yeah, I don't... They, they, again, what? I copied and pasted the summary. There's got to be... They, maybe stolen from a group of terrorists. Let's uh, by a group of terrorists led by an elderly billionaire named Adrian Ravenscroft, a.k.a. Todd? Mr. Big. Just a question. Uh, with as far as you got into the summary, did you see uh, the Fountain of Youth or a treasure map coming into this? I didn't see terrorists coming <laughs> in either. No. No, nor did I see terrorists coming into this. <laughs> Uh, and they are attempting to retrieve the map from her. Ravenscroft hires a couple of workers who helped him try to get the map back. They include a man named Ernie Sly, as well as Ravencroft's limousine chauffeur. This band of criminals chases Yank Justice and his friends across the United States and try to kill them. In the end... My goodness. It's kind of dark. In the end, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ravenscroft finds the fountain, and after, I say that's kind of dark after... <laughs> After we just did the never-ending story. <laughs> oh, dear. In the end, Ravenscroft finds the fountain and, after drinking its water, is turned into a young man, becoming a far more formidable opponent for Yank. But Yank and the others destroy the fountain with their trucks. And Ravenscroft... This sounds like, like six-year-olds playing in their, um, in their, in their sandbox. In the with their monster uh, truck toys. Yes. Out of curiosity, are you familiar with the show Axe Cop, which is, in fact, written by a six-year-old? I have seen, I have seen Axe Cop, yes. Okay. Uh, Yank and the others destroy the fountain with their trucks, and Ravenscroft makes one final attempt to defeat Yank by trying to ram his limousine into Yank's truck. However, There's some class issues that are going on here. However, <laughs> Yank is able to move out of the way, and Ravenscroft's car is destroyed when it careens out of control. Ravenscroft tries to flee, swearing revenge, but the effects of the fountain wear off, and he is quickly turned back into his elderly self and is unable to see that he is walking into an alligator-infested swamp, <laughs> presumably meeting his fate. The scene then cuts to the rubble that was once the fountain of youth and Jennifer bemoaning its destruction, just as disgusted McCall walks away and Earthquake forms a large crevice containing a huge fortune in gold jewels and other rare artifacts. While he and several members of the Bigfoot team celebrate their discovery, Yank walks away and Jennifer joins him as they drive into the sunset. Wow. How sweet. Okay. Yeah, that was Bigfoot and the Monster Machines. The Muscle... Uh-huh. Is it called the Muscle Machines? Oh, no, the Muscle Machines. Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines. Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines. That's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's an odd one. That's pretty weird. Uh, I do like the name Yank Justice. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right, all right, Todd, call out your last one for Joseph to read. Okay. Yeah, what number? I think list? you may you may or may not have noticed a uh, a pattern in the in, in my uh, choices here, but we're gonna do just the next one, number six. Okay. This is a weird film. Now, for our listeners, that's only four a piece. It, they numbered their right. selections on their documents, so you won't look back and say, it's like, where's the other two of Todd's? All right. Sorry. This is a long one, so uh, if if we... Yeah, Todd, this is way too long to read, actually. Okay. Just get just go ahead and get started. All right. I'll get going. All right. Uh, all right, Todd, are we going for time? You can cut me off at any point. During... A holiday staying with his grandmother Helga in Bergen, Norway. The mind of a the mind of a Luke Iverson, a nine year old American uh, boy, is filled with stories about witches. Oh, is this okay? Demonic females who hate children. They have wigs that they wear over their heads. They wear gloves to hide their claws, and they have purple eyes. Helga, <laughs> Helga gives Luke an insight into the world of the unexplained by describing the details that concern the memories she has about something that happened some sixty years earlier when she was a young girl that surrounds. Un- Wait, what? Okay, this sentence. <laughs> this, this is a poorly... Is this from Wikipedia? Yes. Come on, Wikipedia. Come on, Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, let me, let me try that sentence one more time. We'll see if it makes any more sense. Helga gives Luke an insight into the world of the unexplained by describing the details that concern the memory she has about something that happened some 60 years earlier when she was a young girl that surrounds another girl who was her close friend and neighbor. Nope. <laughs> Still, still a bad sentence. That's okay. Continue. Uh, that girl disappeared, having been targeted by a witch. And for six weeks afterwards, no trace of her was found, despite the efforts of police and local people. Then an image of the girl was found in a painting at her home. And as the years passed, the girl's appearance and position in the painting changed until she eventually disappeared from the canvas. Luke's grandmother continues the story, and she mentions further when she had uh, she mentions further when she had come close to a witch herself. She had the experience of losing one of the, her fingers because of the witch, although she does not explain how this happened. <laughs> uh, after Luke's parents are killed in a car crash, Helga takes him under her Ooh. wing. So yeah, this is obviously the parental figure you want in your life. <laughs> that's, that's the introduction you have. Uh, and they move to England, in a nice English village, in the countryside. While playing in the treehouse and gathering his toy cars, Luke has his first encounter with a witch. When a strange lady in black walks up to him below his treehouse, she seems friendly toward him. But as he takes a closer look, it appears she has purple eyes, and he realizes that she must be a witch. She persuades Luke to come... Wait, he realizes that she's a witch, and the next (laughs) sentence is she persuades Luke to come down and take the snake from her? What? (laughs) (laughs) What what persuasion is she offering? That's a really cool snake! (laughs) The situation makes Luke feel scared. Especially when she knows his name. Okay, why? Is <laughs> I have I have so many questions about the red flag that Luke has yeah. in this world. I, huh. hmm. All right, uh, I think we're gonna have to call it there just for yeah. time. But uh, that is weird. I that am is... intrigued. I don't want <laughs> this to is look the at film, the rest of it. Uh, the witches, correct, on. This is a terrifying, terrifying film called The Witches. I believe also and, from the uh, Jim Henson Company. Is it not? The Jim yes. Henson Company appeared a couple times. Uh, yep. And scrolling through, I saw, we didn't read it, but The Labyrinth was on your list as well. So we Labyrinth was on my list. Jim Henson. Oh, Labyrinth's a yeah. classic. Do you want to, should we like bring out our dead now? Yeah. What, what was your other other dead before we had So I had, um, let's see. Okay, we had uh, Return from Oz, or Return to Oz. Uh, I had uh, The Labyrinth. 
and I had uh, Never Ending Story, and then I had The Witches, and then I had um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which oh. is just a weird, weird <sighs> film. So you were visiting, you were dipping into the Roald Dahl and the Jim Henson well a couple times there. Yeah, and then the last one that I just barely thought of that maybe would have been number one on my list is um, Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> that one's glorious. I would have read that with a straight now, face. All is, the way that, is that, is that the, the one weird, with like gremlins the yak and the it, milk? Yeah, oh, it's like, it's it's like gremlins in the forest and they fill squirt guns with milk yes. so they can Absolutely fight them. terrifying for me. But uh, anyway, those are my dead. All right, my, my last one. I'm just going to go ahead and read the first line here. Wait, did you only have five? Yeah, this is, this is the last one I had. Uh, and this is a description of a cartoon series. The series focuses on Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky as they fight crime, help children, and protect <laughs> the environment. <laughs> as the oh, TV series that. Pro Stars. <laughs> I loved that show when uh, I was a kid. Yes, and uh, I just like that description. Yeah, These Pro Stars was good. Professional athletes fight crime, help children, and protect the environment. <laughs> uh, yeah, who had the weirdest, uh, weirdest <laughs> yeah, kids? Yeah, fantastic. All right, All right ju- so judges. The person who was able to select the programming I am least likely <laughs> to allow my children to see was definitely Todd. Even though he also selected the program that my children are 100% going to see <laughs> in the never-ending story. Listeners, you're free to, to give your feedback about who, who had the weirder list of children's entertainment. <laughs> Todd's first win. It's, uh, it's more that some of Joseph's selections seem relatively benign, while several of Todd's I had a were... a doll funeral that ended in chocolate cake. But I think I've seen that, and it didn't traumatize the me. Dolph Just hearing that about was weird. the witches and uh, Return to Oz was too much for right, me. Yeah, I'll, uh, well, for me, the never having to read the plot summary of the Never-Ending Story is going to give me nightmares. <laughs> I loathe that film. If you want, I can lend you the DVD. No, no that won't be necessary. Uh, so Todd <laughs> is the victor, which brings it to... One apiece, and also Todd Peterson. Yes. Uh, having every, everyone who's participated in a draft has now won one. <laughs> I, I also have okay. prepared for you guys a uh, revised script All right. oh. for our outro. All right. It's, it, this is the abbreviated version. Uh, we might flesh it out a little bit. It goes something like this. Thanks. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes, and please leave us a review. Protagonistpodcast.com. Feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. Twitter, protagonistpod, <laughs> at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Oh, you left that sentence in. <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. If you want to buy a topic for us to discuss or just support us with financial donation, you can click on the support link on our homepage or go to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again. So long. <laughs> it's a bit pared down. Yes, that uh, <laughs> removed a few, uh, let's say, uh, words, <laughs> form sentences. <laughs> yeah, it's not big on uh, sentences. <laughs> yeah, 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 the... <laughs> there is a there is a, a full one which I'm <laughs> handing to Joseph. You can read through the scribbles. All right. Uh, so, Todd, congratulations on your win. Thank you. And if you have any suggestions for weird. Uh, weird children's entertainment you can uh join the discussion and i will now read our outro our, our revised outro 
All right. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast and iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com, and that's also where you can find a list of all of our previous shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections or feedback by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mac, and at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And please like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. If you want to buy a topic for us to discuss or support us with any financial donations, you can click on the support link on our homepage or go to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening. So long. So long. Scribbles, scribbles, no, no, scribble. no, no. Read, read what's in the scribbles. I scribbled out for my abbreviated version. Wait, wait. So what are we? Read what the whole I... thing.